Welcome to America's Top Rebbitsons. May this class be for Rafua Shalema for Sylvia Clara Bot Elizabeth. If you would like to sponsor a future podcast, please email us at atrebitsons at gmail.com. I am so happy to have on our show today, Rebitson Devorah Miller. Rebitson Devorah has been teaching Jewish studies, relationships, self-esteem, and spirituality for over 30 years. She designs Jewish studies curricula and mentors educators and parents. Rebitson Devorah is also the author of a book called Up to God, down-to-earth thoughts on elevated living, which is available on amazon.com. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Hi, Vera. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for reaching out. I love doing this. This is really enjoyable. I love connecting with people and hopefully bringing more connection and inspiration. Amen. Um, okay. And yes, it should be a Shalema for Sylvia Clara Bass Elizabeth. We can ask for whatever we want. So let's ask for her to have a full, speedy, complete recovery. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, okay. So your question was about the content of my book. Is that correct? Um, well, first, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll jump right into the book. Okay, perfect. Okay. So yeah, I now live in St. Louis, Missouri. We moved here in the summer. Uh, before that, I lived in California. Uh, before that in Baltimore, before that in Cape Town, South Africa, uh, before that in Boston. Oh my gosh. <laughs> before that in England, and before that, Eretz Yisrael. And when we first got married, we were living in North Hollywood, California. So, wow. Baruch Hashem, many interesting life experiences. Um, Baruch yeah. Hashem, we have um, eight beautiful Kinderlach, uh, five are married with their own children. So Baruch Hashem for that. Amazing. And yeah, I really just enjoy facilitating meaningful learning. So if there's one thing that I can say that if you know this about me, you have a sense of who I am, that's really it. And that's very special. It's really, really special. I'm so excited to have you here. And we're going to jump right into the book, which is about meaningful learning. So this is going to be great. Um, I mean, it's really exciting that you authored a book. I mean, you actually wrote a book called Up to God, Down to Earth, Thoughts on Elevated Living. And the book is filled with very relatable reflections on the Parsha of the week, as well as the Yamim Tovim, the holidays. It features personal anecdotes, which are my favorite. I love anecdotes. It features personal anecdotes that capture the insight of a dynamic Jewish mother and educator. And I want to see if you could please tell us a little bit more about the content of your book. Sure, of course. So like I said, I really, I so enjoy facilitating meaningful learning. And I, that's really how I look at it. I, I've realized over time, like I don't even like calling myself a teacher anymore. I more, I like um, learning facilitator. Because ultimately, you know, like sometimes the teacher could say, well, I taught you that, but if the learning didn't happen, so then, you know, the objectives weren't met. So we want learning to happen and learning happens when we can think. And I love thinking when I'm learning Torah, making connections to other things I've learned before, bringing it into my life and helping others to do the same. So that's really what this book, um, you know, what this book really does. Um, and I would say each chapter is kind of the way I would give a Dvar Torah. So it's sort of broken down into the way I would give over if it, if it wasn't a whole sheer, because the chapters are not very long, um, you know, people are short on time. It's like, okay, I got five minutes. <laughs> um, so it's really like, there's a relevant idea or a story. Some of them are personal. Um, some of them are just, you know, stories that I've, that I've heard or just an interesting idea. 
And then there's a focus on the words in that week's parsha or in the Chag. Um, and then there's some kind of classic mephorash that I grapple with a bit and then bring down to earth. That's really why it's called <laughs> down to earth thoughts. Because, you know, at the end of the day, that's really what we need to accomplish when we're learning Torah is to bring it into our lives to know Hashem is speaking to us. So what is this saying to me? And that's pretty much what, you know, how, how each chapter goes. And that's what the book is. That is so beautiful. And is, is it um, each Parsha has its own chapter? So, yes, I did. There are some, some Parshios have a few, um, like a few different Torah. Like I think maybe Shamos. I have my book here. I can look at it. But um, yeah, some have a few, but there's one for each um, and something for each Chag as well at the end of the book. So oh, that's beautiful. That's a nugget for something. Yeah. <laughs> and um, for the people who are going to be watching this on YouTube, um, for, for the listeners on uh, the podcast, we also have a YouTube channel. If you search up America's Top Rebbitsons on YouTube.com, can you hold up the book so the people who are watching can actually Absolutely. see what it looks like? I want to say I really appreciate Mosaic Press, their uh, cover designer. It's beautiful. It's, I love it. It's the first one. And I was like, yeah, cool. Great. <laughs> <laughs> it's right on target. I love it. It's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful cover. Very, very nice. Yeah. Thank you. And I want to see what inspired you to write a book specifically on Torah insights. Like what about this particular topic really, really speaks to you? So, I mean, we know I mean, everything is in Torah. Yes. So when I learn um, and I, uh, you know, similar to what I was saying before, when I learn and I apply it to my life, it's, it's, it's everything. So I had actually already started writing um, before I thought it would become a book. Although I think in the back of my mind, I was hoping at some point it would become a book even early on. Um, it was really just articles. It was letters. Um, my husband was a regional director for NCSY uh, New England region when we lived in Boston. And as some of our NCSYers started to graduate and go to college and out into the world, um, <clears throat> the last couple of years that we were there, I started to write um, little Divrei Torah to stay connected to them every week. So that's kind of how it started officially. And then when we lived in Cape Town, South Africa, we were the rabbinical couple of Or Sameach there, and I started to write regularly for the for the show members as well. So that was sort of the, you know, the 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 beginning of what was to become a book. Oh, yeah. that's so that's how it started. It's very nice. It's so beautiful that you really want to stay connected to to all the different parshiot and the Torah, and that's really a good way to do it by writing things down. It's a very meaningful way to get it to stick. You know. Yeah, it's so funny that you say that because sometimes I'll even, I'll write it and then I forget. Like somebody recently said to me, oh, I love what you wrote about in your book this week. And I'm like, I didn't read my book this week. I'm like, what did I write about? So I had to look back. He's like, you know, the three, like the progression, you know, Shvat Adar Nisan. And I was like, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, glad I wrote it down. <laughs> well, so, so then, which brings us to our next point. Like I want to get into maybe a little bit of the content of, of the book. Um, I love anecdotes. Like me personally, I really, really love anecdotes. So this book is right on my alley. And I want to see if maybe you could share with us a few anecdotes from the book, maybe, maybe a partial or two that's really, really meaningful to you. Yeah. Okay. So can we do this? Okay. Do you have like a, 
Well, either a pen and paper or yes. a good memory, one yes. or the other. I have both. <laughs> a good short memory. Okay. So um, I knew you were going to ask me this and I thought, you know, I actually want to read. I don't just want to tell it over. I want to read from the book a Perfect. couple of things, but I also want to be mindful of our time. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So there are four that come to mind that I feel are very timely also kind of right. craziness in the world. Not that yeah. there's always craziness, but like, um, so, okay. So I'm going to give you four numbers and each of these is a page number in great. my book and you'll choose which page number and I'll read that one. How about that? Okay, great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. All right. There's 57, mm -hmm. 80, 143, and 185. 185. I feel like we can play the lottery now. <laughs> we right. got the numbers. <laughs> okay. You're okay. a winner either way. <laughs> okay. Let's go with lucky number 143. Okay. 143. Okay. So I'm going to turn to page 143. 143. This chapter is called Just Us. Just Us. You say it like that. Okay. Um, and it is for Prashat Bahar. And it is about um, Hillel and some merchants who insulted him and how he responded to that insult. Okay, so this one doesn't have a personal, um, actually. Yes, all right, I'm just gonna read, here we go. Yes. Okay. <laughs> just us. The great sage Hillel Hazakain was walking down the road. He met a group of merchants selling wheat. How much for a seah, a measurement, he asked. Two coins, they responded. Later, Hillel met another group of merchants who told him that they were selling the same amount of wheat for three coins. Hillel asked why their wheat was more expensive than the other merchants' wheat. You stupid Babylonian. I have to say stupid quietly because we're not allowed to say that word in my house. <laughs> the second merchants said with derision, don't you know that the price of grain depends on the amount of labor invested in the process? The story could end with Hillel in his inimitable style, not responding and just humbly moving on. After all, anyone who calls Hillel, or anyone, stupid, is clearly lacking in Mito Tovot, good character traits, and Hillel Hazakain was known for his patience and understanding. Yet the story continues. And Hillel rebukes the merchants. I asked you a valid question. Why do you insult me? The merchants realize they transgressed the mitzvah of a man shall not cause pain to his fellow. Then they do teshuva. The mitzvah of onaat devarim, not causing pain with words, is found in Pashat Emor, following the mitzvah not to upset others in business dealings. If you sell or buy anything from another Jew, do not cause pain to him. This is understood as a directive to the salesman, do business justly. Interesting that for both commandments, the word for do harm is the same. Tonu, in interpersonal relationships as in business dealings, we have harmed each other if we have not dealt justly. Perhaps this explains why Hillel did not remain silent in the above vignette. Had the merchants merely insulted Hillel with no valid explanation for the higher price, Hillel probably would have remained silent. But stating a logical reason for selling the more expensive grain, it seemed they understood the idea of being fair in business. 
If they could grasp the idea of being righteous in business, maybe they could grasp the idea of righteousness in communication as well. I am blown away by Hillel Hazakein. Rather than focusing on any sense of personal insult, Hillel was focused on what he could do for others. Here, he had a chance to help these men fulfill a mitzvah. And so he did, without anger, without shaming, and with businessman logic, as businessmen need. We would do well to learn from Hillel and respond to others by considering what they can hear. To not melt, retaliate, or grow arrogant in the face of insult. To recognize that each person owns his words as each person owns his deeds. And to see the world as a place of opportunity to learn and give. There is so much negativity in life. How I react to it depends on me. If I don't think of much of myself, I will focus on what hurts me. I will actually await the insults and be able to find them in almost every interaction. A better way to live is like Hillel Hazakain, who said, If I am here, everything and everyone is here. If I am in this situation, I have all I need to actualize the potential of this moment in this space. Hillel knew that anyone who called him stupid was the same as anyone who called anyone stupid. We are each anyone and we are each everyone. And with that in mind, we have plenty of business to take care of justly and without harm. Wow. That's, that's really powerful. I love that. And I love that it teaches a lesson. You were talking about the Parsha, but it comes out with such a lesson. You, you, you finished reading that. It's so powerful. It's just amazing. Wow. <laughs> um, you know, I think today, probably, actually, probably in every generation and in every year, people say, I think today things are crazy. You know, I think yeah. today yeah. things are bad. I think today things are worse than the generation before. You know, I also think today we always have what we need to make good choices. So we need to remember that. Um, but especially, especially today when, you know, it's very easy with social media to send out insults as if you don't have to own them. Yes. And so if we're on the other end of that to stop and think, do I need to be insulted by this? What can I do with this? Um, it's really important to stop and think before we respond. So I'm not even speaking to the people who are sending out insults. Now I'm speaking to those who, you know, who, who are receiving them and um, what to do. And this is that that's really the, the message here. Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you point that out because, you know, everything comes from Hashem. Everything's from Hashem. So if you're getting insulted, Hashem made that situation so that you get insulted. And as to why, why did he make the situation where I'm getting insulted? It's because he, it's a test. Like he wants to see that how you rise to the occasion. Are you going to get angry? Are you going to, are you going to give mustard to the person? Are you going to walk away? Are you going to cry? How are you going to handle it? And there's so many different ways to handle one, one situation. You know? And considering, and considering what the other person can hear. Yes. This is huge, yes. huge. I need to stop and think, what can this person hear? Right, um, exactly. There's no point in saying something that's not going to be heard. It's 100% because of the other person who's insulting you, if they're angry or if they're frustrated or they're, ha they're having a tantrum them th themselves, they're not going to hear whatever you have to say. Nothing, not one word. Or at least not until they feel heard. That's exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So important. Wow. Do you, would, would you like to read another one? I would like to. I think because you chose that one and it didn't have the personal story. So maybe I'll do another one. Um, 
Do you want to do 57? Does 57 have a personal story? Look at that one. Really know it all by heart, right? Okay. Um, yes, actually, that's yes, perfect. Okay, so fifty-seven is about moving through discomfort to get to repair. Perfect. Okay, and especially today when people are like, "No one should ever be uncomfortable." It's like, <laughs> no, we need to be uncomfortable. Here's how. Okay. So, so this. Um, no, that's forty-seven. Let's do fifty-seven. Okay, this one is called Owning My Conscience, and it's, it's Parshat Miketz. Okay. Okay. When I was 10, I called a rep. Oh my goodness, I got stupid again. I think those are the two times in my book I say stupid. All right, here we go. <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> when I was 10, I called a rabbi stupid. I didn't mean to. It just slipped out. He was giving me and my older brother a ride home after Shabbat. He was acting silly, pretending he didn't know which house was ours. And I blurted out, you just passed our house, stupid. Mm. I knew the second that word fell out of my mouth that I had done something horrible. I was mortified. As soon as the car stopped, I bolted into the house straight to my bedroom to feel awful by myself. Then I heard my 12-year-old brother announce, Devorah called Rabbi Rodman stupid. I was, he was clearly reveling in the possibility of my punishment as he was usually the one in trouble. My mother came into my room. I couldn't look at her. She sat on my bed. You need to call and apologize. She stated as a matter of fact. All I could think of was, I can't. I just wanna disappear. The thought of making that phone call seemed impossible to me, impossible. My mother sat for a couple more minutes while I repeated the mantra, I can't, I can't, I can't. I don't recall any conversation on the matter, just feeling the dread, my mantra, and the knowledge that I was going to make that call. The next scene in my mind, I'm holding the phone in my parents' bedroom, when you used to hold phones like this. <laughs> <laughs> I dial, the rabbi answers. I say, this is Devorah Lerner. I'm sorry for what I said in the car. Silence. And then I hear a smile on the other end, perhaps a chuckle, and I forgive you. And I say, thank you. And I hang up. <laughs> At first, I feel a little more awful. I cry a little and do a shaky jig around the room in an effort to move past the lingering discomfort. End of memory. In Pasha Nikates, Yosef faces his brothers. As events unfold, Yosef does not save his brothers from the discomfort that follows the realization of their wrongdoing in the sale of Yosef years earlier. He wants his brother's tshuva to be complete. Then began the dawning of hearing their own consciences. The distress of leaving Shimon in prison, finding the money in Levi's sack, having to bring Binyamin to Mitzrayim, and then finding the goblet in his sack. Each of these harrowing experiences was an opportunity to raise the brothers' consciousness. The discomfort of dining with Yosef was to remind them of how comfortable they had been to feast after the sale of Yosef. They needed to feel their own discomfort for their tshuva to be proper. Being with our discomfort is an opportunity. That Saturday night, my mother gave me a great allowance. She allowed me to feel my own discomfort in recognizing my wrong. 
I carried my own embarrassment and fear and then I could do what was right. Not because my mother might be embarrassed, not because, not because she might be embarrassed, but just because I needed to do the right thing. My mother did not attempt to demean me. She only provided space for me to feel bad within the understanding that I would do Teshuvah. Not because I was bad, rather simply because I had done wrong. There is a right response to wrongdoing and the right response doesn't always feel good right away. In fact, it usually feels worse before it feels better, which is sometimes on the other side of a shaky jig. <laughs> that was beautiful. It's so interesting because Mikaze was my daughter's bat mitzvah portion. Um, so I guess I'm personally, I have a personal investment in this portion. That's amazing that you were able to deal with your own discomfort and nobody took it away from you. Like, you know, you did something wrong. You were uncomfortable. You were made to own it and you did and you owned it and you did something about it and you grew from that experience and you remember it like how many years later you remember it you know well I've tried to use that with my own children and I think that's why I remember it you know when there are things from our childhood that we found helpful it's important to remember them and to use them as adults and I've tried to do that with my own children. And instead of trying to wipe away their discomfort or to focus on my own discomfort that they were just super rude <laughs> and that's embarrassing to me as a mother, instead of focusing on that, literally just handing it to them. This is yours, you need to fix it. That's, and, and allowing for discomfort is so important. I, I, I fear that we try to avoid all discomfort. This is true. And what we lose in that is the opportunity to really grow, fix and change. It's a good point. It's, a, it's an amazing point. It's, it's really something to learn from. It's a, it's a lot to think about. And it's really, really something to learn from because I agree with you also. Everybody in all aspects of society, you know, we want everybody to be comfortable. We want to accommodate. We want to do this and that. And, you know, I mean, it, and it is nice to a certain degree, but it, it does. It takes away from a person's own inner growth. So this is really um, very poignant. I, I love this chapter. So thank you for sharing that with us. <laughs> a pleasure. Can I ask you, your daughter's bath mitzvah, was it re recently? So her birthday's in December. So her bath mitzvah was not this past December. It was the previous December. Oh, nice. Beautiful. And she gave a Devar Torah. She did. Yes. Nice. She nice. did. It was over Zoom, but she, she did give the Devartora. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Zoom has its benefits. I realize as I can see myself, it reminds me at once once I gave a talk in Cape Town to a bunch of teenagers. And I thought it went really well. It was about, you know, why why do Tadikim suffer? And it was like the concept of not that I'm an expert in it, but in any case, that's not the point. I felt like it had gone really well. And I got into my car and I caught a glimpse of myself in my rear view mirror. And I realized I had lipstick all over my teeth. Oh and my God. Like, oh, I was like, I am that lady. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure nobody was focusing on your teeth. They were focusing on what you were saying. So it was all good. Oh, so that's the good thing about Zoom. You know, you can see yourself and be like, oh yeah, I'm you know, angel sticking up or whatever. No, it's for sure. <laughs> it's for sure. I mean, I know for sure that people are going to want to buy your book so they can learn the powerful and meaningful Torah insights, many of which you just shared with us. Um, and it's really through your easy and fun to read style of writing. So I want to see where people can purchase Up to God, Down to Earth, Thoughts on Elevated Living. 
I so appreciate you saying it so clearly so we can get. So actually, uh, Mosaic of Press has sold out. You can't get it directly from them. I, I think that's only because they didn't have so many. It's not because it was like, you know, <laughs> a million copies or anything. But it is available on Amazon. You go on Amazon and just make sure you need to spell my name correctly, right up to God and put my name in there with the apostrophe. You will find it. And it's actually very, it's, it's super inexpensive now because, you know, they're always like, turning over. So I think it's, I think it's less than $10 even now. Oh, wow. Okay. Go for okay. it. And for, for those who are listening and can't see the book, um, Devorah's name is spelled D apostrophe V O R A H Miller, M I L L E R. So if you want to search by name, that's how you search. <laughs> Thank you so much. It didn't even occur to me, right? Some people will be listening and not even seeing. So yes, that's good. So I wouldn't have to worry about the lipstick situation there either. Okay. <laughs> See, there you go. Uh, much better. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you wanted to ask me or... Um, I mean, is there anything else that you want to share, uh, something that you want to share with our listeners, with our viewers, something meaningful um, and, you know, from the Torah? Um, maybe just um, really just a few ideas. First of all, I want to say Hatzlacha Rava to you. You know, when you reached out to me and I saw you were doing this, I thought like really, really kolakavo to you. So beautiful that you're just, you're just like, I'm just going to do it. You know, <laughs> like I'm just going to get inspiration and learning to to as many women who tap into it. So I, I want to say that to you really, really. You should have tremendous Hatzlacha in your endeavors. Thank you so um, much. And um, I also want to say, please remember, all of us, I'm saying really these things to myself. Remember that there is nothing outside of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There is nothing outside of God. There is nothing in your life and my life that's bigger than Hashem. Please, please remember that. Stay sane, keep thinking, and maintain a loving heart. Very important and very powerful and very, very true. Very, very true. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rebbitz and Devorah, for joining us on America's Top Rebbitzins. We really, really enjoyed having you here. And we hope that all the learning that we did today will be for the Rafua Shalema of Sylvia Clara Vaught Elizabeth. Thank you so, so much. Amen. Amen. My pleasure. Such a pleasure. Thank you.